Meanwhile, in Rochester, New York, outside Mike's home. All right, friends. Mike has gone rogue ever since we started this podcast. What we have here is a failure to communicate. You see some men you just can't reach. Others need an intervention. I worry about him. Ever since he said Megamind is better than The Incredibles, we have seen him tumble into insanity. It's like he doesn't know the part of having a geek card requires you have to love all Marvel and Pixar products. Fear not, my faithful, bearded, all-state quarterback co-host. I brought a secret weapon I have been working on. Meet Mikey, our negotiation robot. Yo, guys. Thank you for putting me on your podcast. I did not know your friend Mike was in so much trouble. How bad can it be? Well, we haven't heard him start screaming, No wire hangers. But Mars Needs Moms is the best Disney computer animated movie. The Corpse Bride is better than Coco. Sweet diehard Christmas. It is worse than I thought. Guys, we need to unite our powers and talk him down before he starts going really insane. Why does he have seven shirts that all simply have the letters SB on them? It stands for Shadow and Bone, a superior fantasy story to Rings of Power and The Witcher. By the way, Liam Hemsworth is going to save that series. Oh man, you kiss your mother with that mouth? He's confused as a fart in a fan factory. We need to act quick before Mike starts sharing opinions on why Bollywood is better than American musicals. I brought this handbook to bring him to his senses. I thought it'd do well. It's called... You are the Johnny-come-lately-crazy one. Volumes 1 through 5. Digimon is superior to Pokemon. Chris Pat would make an excellent Lara Croft in Tomb Raider. Scott Pilgrim is the best comic book adaptation into a film ever made. Mike, Digimon got 23% on Metacritic. Chris Pratt movies on Prime Video average around 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Tomatoes. And... He will 100% always be our Peter Jason Quill. Michael Sierra is working on it. He is starting to not be super bad. He did give us Lego Robin with that catchphrase, tweet, tweet on the street. Ryan Reynolds has never made a bad movie. Star Trek is about, Star Trek is above and beyond Star Wars. The Legends of Tomorrow is better than She-Hulk. <laughs> This has become hot takes on display to a level of poetry and motion. Please don't stop. Six Underground won a Razzie Award. Star Trek relies too much on Chris Pine. No one ever watches Legends of Tomorrow. Crying. We've broken him. <laughs> Black Adam is better than Winter Soldier. <laughs> Batman vs. Superman is the future of superhero movies. What is happening to me, guys? I used to think popular thoughts. There, there, Mike. It's okay. Let it out. The DC Universe has wronged us all at some point with the actor we wanted to be Batman. I'm so sorry, guys. I lost my mind. I kept thinking of things to watch other than The Mandalorian. Other Mandalorian! And it just went downhill from there. I almost bought a laser disc just because I wanted the authentic image quality. Remember, Mike, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars are the holy trinity of quality. As long as you say this each morning and night, you'll never go insane again. Thank you, Mikey. Your work here is done. 
No problem, Eston. Besides, I actually agree about Mars Needs Moms being the greatest animated feature. Ooh, quickly, Tim. Either shut him up or shut him down before he asks, do you want to play a game? I'm down. We'll get my episodes of the Book of the Boba Fett. Good morning! I'm not bad. Just draw that way. Houston, we have a problem. And scene. Oh, wow. Guys, you know, first of all, thank you for recording that intervention. And I'm just so sorry for that reaction back there. You know, I just was having a case of the Mondays. Nah, we all have them. Don't worry about it, buddy. Yeah, it all happens to us. I had them four Mondays ago and three past Sundays back. Oh. Hey, this is Monday? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, guys, it suffices to say, welcome to Film Logic. Yeah, we're a movie podcast celebrating the past, the present, and the future of all fandoms in between. We are part of the Retro Logic Network with other classic podcasts like Retro Logic, On Topic Retro, and Retro Groove. We also run a swinging Discord that's full of fun and good community. Look us up. I am Mike. The undergrad of the underminer, and I'm with my co-host Aston, the man who likes to be in the fro zone. Yeah, how y'all doing tonight? Still out there looking for my super suit and asking my woman, "Where is my super suit?" Mm. <laughs> and I'm with Tim, the man who's still trying to gently close car doors. I've been trying for years. His insurance premiums are off the chain. But the kids love them. Mm -hmm. That's why I have to use automatic door opener. You know, I was actually the kid in the the big wheel. You know, I was 37 riding my big wheel when I saw him smash his car. And I said, that was awesome. And that's how he actually got onto this podcast. Oh, it's totally wicked. Oh, wow. I'm like his bestie. He never told me that. I'm offended. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, we've had a crazy last episode. Can I can we just talk about that after our Brad Pitt anthology, the number the number two highest rated podcast of this month? Well, between our other podcasts, not other podcasts on Apple or anything. But ever since we did that Brad that Brad Pitt, uh, someone on Twitter named Bradley Williams Pitt reached out to us. Uh, I think they sent Eston poetry, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite unusual thing. Yeah, I was actually because I had got like a message on my Twitter and um, from uh, Bradley William Pitt and um, thanking me for the support and the kind words and the lovely uh, essentially podcast. And then like had written me like a letter, basically talking essentially about like season each day and, you know, welcoming events that happened that day, surprises be it, you know, positive or negative, because they can lead to events that uh, open other doors, essentially, and um, that can lead to uh, further, uh, you know, brightening our lives and enriching our lives, that may, may, whatever may come. And I actually like, I don't know, I did some deep digging and looking, I'm like, you know, is this like the Brad Pitt? And Alan, when I was doing the deep digging, I mean, it just seemed like all these, the, the Twitters out there, this is the one that's most managed for like tags by him and for him responding and so i'm like you know i don't know i was like this this could be the man the myth the legend himself so i wrote back and uh so i don't know about you guys but i this is it 
I've reached my peak. I think I'm done doing podcasts now. I am going to retire now that Brad Pitt has responded to you guys. So thanks for letting me be on the show. (laughs) You're very welcome. Yeah, definitely. We were glad we could meet one of your your personal life life goals and Definitely. I remember you saying, guys, the episodes end the very second William Bradley bit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, likes us back. Yes. Well, don't, don't stop now, Tim, because the next up on the agenda, we've got a list here. I've, I've got I've got the notepad. Next on the list is going to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll stay on. I'll stay on. Okay. Yeah, so, so yeah. If, if you we listen, get a response from, from him, I'm for sure I'm going to have to retire on top of that. Yeah, we're coming for you, Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> Uh, and that's our episode is just going to be five straight yeah, minutes of saying, we won't I, love you, Dwayne. I love you, Dwayne. I love you, Dwayne. <laughs> Actually, it'll probably <laughs> just be five minutes of just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Uh, well, that was our fun fact of the day, but uh, we've been watching some good stuff lately. Um, I'll go first. I'll take the bullet on this one, guys. So my wife and I, we're all into murder mysteries, and there's this high school murder mystery on Peacock based on a teenage drama book called One of Us is Lying. And season one was all about these kids being sent to uh, detention, and then this one kid who was blackmailing everyone, just kind of just up and dies. You know, he was poisoned. And so all the kids in detention are getting blamed for it, and they have to do this stuff to clear their names. We just watched the second season where it goes even deeper, and they're even in more deep water. It's a very dramatic show, and it makes me very thankful not to be back into the drama of high school and all its evil cliques. But it's a fun show to watch just to see... Where the mystery takes you. Yeah, I don't miss high school. I was not in the popular crowd, so. (laughs) You would be blamed for the murder. I just feel it. You think so? I look shifty. Tim, would you be the blackmailer or the one blamed for the murder in high school? Uh, I was the quiet one, so probably be blamed for it. So. (laughs) (laughs) The The giveaway was you would have done it. Yeah. (laughs) I would have been blamed for it, but it probably would have been somebody else. Yeah. Okay. I won't pin murder on you. Um, Tim, we both saw the same movie, a very indie musician that very few people know called Weird Alfred. Um, Some dude named Alfred, yes. Yes. Not about Batman's butler, which I really thought, you know, was a biopic on him. Um, Weird Al was on Roku, and this movie is probably the highest budget Roku offering I've ever seen, and it was great. Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al. The humor was subtle. I thought it was going to be like airplane-esque humor where it goes over the top, but it it kind of it it wanes and it waxes at different parts and it like it 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 tries like it's it's a a musical biopic kind of like uh Johnny Cash's Walk the Line. It's the um, most exaggerated movie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the whole premise is that Weird Al does not want to share what actually happened to his musical career or it's very light in the truth um he would he would rather uh burn down madonna's good name um and talk about killing pablo escobar than he would actually tell you what happened which is which is on brand for him as a guy who makes parodies of songs so uh, like we would expect nothing less interesting a parody and, of his, his own life yeah and he even sings a song about how everything you just watched was true 
and that he is actually that the end credit song was just like oh my gosh he's singing the end credits song for the yeah. end credits <laughs> it's funny uh, I, you know i give it a positive thumbs up um as a person who loves satire and parody um the only thing i can say recently compared to is that the dewey cox lock hard movie and that i didn't i didn't really like it because you know it's a lot of blue humor in that one but you know i think weird al is actually might be good for I'd actually want to show that to my teenagers as they ask, who is Madonna? That's the thing. It was like my kids were kind of intrigued, but they were like also confused. They didn't watch it with us, but every time they came down and saw something, they would ask questions and like, well, do you know who Weird Al is? Yes, they do. A little bit. Uh, Do you know his song, his catalog? No, except for maybe a few of the more recent stuff. I said, well, this movie you might not get because you have to know like his earlier catalog essentially right and you kind of have to know bits and pieces you don't have to know everything but bits and pieces of his real history basically he's come out and said before i think it was a vh1 thing that he did before where uh, Mm -hmm. he said i didn't do drugs i didn't have any crazy stories it just you know everything was just happened normal you know (laughs) I wondered about that, about his background story. If like, yeah, this is like, if there was some recreational stuff going on, if it's just like, this is just, you know, him straight up. He didn't do anything crazy. This was, it was just guy out there who wanted to do these parody songs and Mm. was a fan of Dr. Uh, Demento. Was it? Yeah. Uh, And he wanted to, yes, (laughs) he wanted to do the same stuff that he was doing. And, and some of those other people at the time were doing so, um, and he just did it well. Mm-hmm. And he did it off of, did it off of the you know, how pop those popular songs. So of course mm-hmm. it was the, the Weird Al bump. <laughs> Weird so, Al is probably Weird Al bump. that he he uh, actually is actually true that like they can prove that once Weird Al parodies one of your songs, they actually make a million dollars more because everybody wants to hear the original if they didn't hear it already or you know that kind of stuff. So that's cool. Yeah, it's it's. The the part about it, I think, is just if you're, it's definitely fan service. Because if you know his history, if you're a fan, you'll know more about his history. Maybe not everything, but you'll know more about it to where you will understand that this is a exaggeration of his life story. So the part I wasn't clear on, because I don't know this part of his story, was, was his parents supportive or not? That part I don't know. You know, that to me seems like it was exaggerated, but no. (laughs) His dad beating up the accordion salesman. <laughs> I, I like know. how they were just at the dinner table and they held hands like, son, father and I discussed this and we don't want you to go for your, you know, goals. You want to do the things you want to do, the love of your life type of stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Totally the opposite of what parents would do, you know. Like, yeah. I mean, we've all seen stories where there have been parents just like very negative about, you know, doing stuff where it's actually motivating to those kids. But this was just outright exaggerated. But I don't know how much it was that it was exaggerated. The sounds of it, I'm guessing they were very supportive of whatever he did. Mm-hmm. So in the movie, it was not true. <laughs> that was not yes. the case. <laughs> yeah. And let me You're gonna just... work in a factory, son. What do you think here? <laughs> no we'll one... find out when you work here. <laughs> no one actually knows what his dad makes in the factory. It was that the was factory, a hilarious yes. joke. One of the best jokes is you actually have to know 
the the history behind the song "Eat It." If if you don't know who wrote, uh, if Michael Jackson wrote "Beat It" first, then the joke is totally ruined. But the fact that they make such a big deal over it. so "Eat It" is your first original song. Yes, <laughs> uh, you know I love that. Um, I won't give away any more jokes. I it's free. It's on Roku. It has no commercials. Like it's it's free gold. All right. Um, Speaking of free gold, um, I want to mention a little a little series that I watch called Riff Tracks. Have you guys ever heard of Mystery Science Theater 3000? Oh, heck yeah. I watched a lot of those episodes. I love their comedy. Oh, my gosh. Uh, grew up on that stuff. Basically, it's a man and two robots that are played by puppeteers um, forced to watch bad movies, real-life bad movies that, you know, B-movie-worthy stuff. And they just kind of, they riff on it. I love well, their one-liners. Yeah. yeah. So they, they're the reason snarky comedy exists. Now, one of the co-hosts, or actually um, three, is Mike. Oh, my gosh. I'm drawing a blank. Well, you have Mike and, you know what? I'm going to forget all their names. But basically, let me skip the part where I name anybody. Riff Tracks <laughs> is one of the hosts of Mystery Science Theater 3000. And uh, he, they started their own company where they watch horrible movies and they just have a track of speaking over it. And um, on the Twitch channel, they have a free channel where they just play movies 24-7. And you hear these guys just riffing off of it. Um they started riff tracks like selling like commentaries that you could play over movies like Twilight or or Harry Potter. Um, and then they started going back to B movies where you can actually buy the B movies from them and just see these horrible, horrible movies. But these guys just riff it to shreds. And uh, in some cases, I have never laughed so hard in my life. Let's check it out. Yeah, because I, I, I like some of uh, the Mystery Science 3000. I've watched a lot of those back when they were on Sci-Fi channel mm -hmm. it, have a lot. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it was always funny seeing them do some riff some of the movies i've actually watched and uh before they did a riff on us it was funny to see them rip on them right right mystery science theater love it um you're wearing the t-shirt by them right now yes i am i am i i represent i drink my own kool-aid um michael j nelson kevin murphy bill corbett i did not want to you know drag their names through the mud by not knowing their names so um yeah, like I would say, go to Rift Track or go to Twitch right now and just look them up. Tell me if you've seen the movie Samurai Cop because that's one of their famous Rift Track movies. I have not. How do I not know about a movie named Samurai Cop? Yes, I need mm -hmm. to watch that. <laughs> I've seen close to something like that. Probably Hard Boiled. <laughs> if you've seen that, okay. which close has got the biggest body count and bullet yes. count ever. So that that was my turn. I'm I'm skipping the fact that I saw the peripheral, which you mentioned last episode, but I did and I liked it. So oh yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. This uh, this is getting even juicier now with episodes. Yeah, yeah. It's much, really juicy. All right, Eston, what have you watched? Sure, I uh, watched. Finally, got to see the movie. Nope. <laughs> so I got to see it, and uh, it's 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 very uh, not what I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be uh, like a big payout at the end. Um, obviously, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm not. You're not going to have a spoiler here because I don't like doing spoilers. I try and keep my movies always kind of elevator pitches, so that way I get you, you know, a bit of intrigue without ruining it for you. But um, I mean, you do get to see there are aliens involved. You do get to see some things, but um, there is a slow pace of a buildup. Um, it leans more on the art, artsy side, and why I say that is because it is more as far as like you know how the aliens look and how they are presented. Um, there's no uh, 
laser exchange here by gunfire and stuff like that in that regard mm -hmm. um it does delve more into like the human aspect of like uh, as far as you know if aliens came how would the interaction occur and stuff but not on a global scale a really microcosmic scale as far as like in this one little town and so this is not your big independence day movie alien invasion movie um you know there's some tense moments spooky moments in there um and there's some gags in there um overall i mean i would say definitely it's worth watching i, I don't regret watching the movie um someone's just you know asked me should i watch it i say yeah i definitely would say watch it um i mean i, I think you could you could appreciate it at least watching it once so um i would say definitely and i, I don't want to give any more away because i mean it definitely has like a, a more of a kind of a straight line plot line so I, I feel if I kind of explain more into it, I would I would start really giving stuff away. But um, I mean, yeah, they they're on this like this ranch, and you know the aliens start coming there, and as you can tell somewhat from the trailer, they're hiding in the clouds, and they kind of catch on to what's going on, and then they discover how the aliens are actually like, kind of are taking people, and they start trying to use that against them in a way, and um, you know, just and things things go awry, and the movie ends um in a way that they can uh have uh, a nope too i guess um, but i don't think they would call it nope again i think they would just have to name it something else like gotcha maybe or something like that Even yeah, noper. yeah. <laughs> and then the next one i've been watching was moonfall um now nope i rented uh moonfall uh you know that one is actually what platform do we watch that on that's on hbo Mac. um you can watch that um that one is that one actually is very surprising that roland emmerich uh movie um, so, you know, I, mean, I wanted to see it because I love Stargate. So I wanted to see that. Um, and I was hoping it would not be the, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a roll off of Roland Emmerich once he kind of got his hands in the Independence Day. And it would be like everything after that's kind of been a bit twist on Independence Day. Um, so basically the premise of it is the moon gets out of orbit and starts coming closer and closer to the Earth. I thought it was going to be a natural disaster movie. I didn't read too much about this movie going into it. So I thought it was going to be a natural disaster movie. Um, like, you know, the moon's going to collide into the earth and they've got to figure out how to put it back on orbit by some geomagnetism or something of that nature. Um, but it does have a twist to it. And you actually find out that there's actually aliens involved and there's more than one alien race involved. There's actually two different types of aliens or race involved. And actually it goes even further that, um, you find out that the humans that were actually were on earth before are primarily responsible for um, what construct is actually a part of the moon and uh, that this other alien race is trying to harness and use against us, the current aliens that are uh, current aliens, the current people that are living on Earth. So it goes from like what I thought was a natural disaster movie to actually now becoming a bit of actually like an alien um, movie. And um, so it is a, uh, it's a bit of a long, I think it's two hours and 10 minutes. So for it to be kind of like, like an, another alien invasion movie, um, it is actually kind of a, a bit of a long on the longer end for that. But um, it's got great special effects. Um, this one, I would probably say uh, it's kind of lukewarm. I mean, it's, um, it's it didn't hold me as well as Nope did um, because I feel this is more kind of a popcorn movie. I mean, you're going to kind of watch this for special effects. You're not really watching it for like a deep, thought-provoking storyline. Um, you know, if you can find it, if you have HBO Max and you can watch it for free, I'd say do it. Um, if you've got to pay to rent it, I'd probably say more like, you know, wait till it comes available on a platform that you can watch it for free in some form or fashion. 
um because it's definitely i mean it, it's something you can kind of wait on um it's uh i mean it's it's kind of a confusing storyline how they do it. it's like they tried to pack too much into it and again it, i feel like it goes a little bit back to rolling but trying to be a little bit like trying to say okay i'm gonna throw into this a bit of stargate i'm gonna throw into this a little bit of independence day day and just i'm gonna throw everything i've ever done kind of into this movie and you know like i, I haven't come up with an original idea since and so mm-hmm. yeah it's uh definitely lukewarm on that one the um the other one i watched was not an alien movie um actually and that one is called all is quiet on the western front and this one is actually a historical piece and it's regarding a historical battle that took place um in uh with between and World War, if you remember right, it was World War One um, with Germany um, trying to occupy into like France, and it actually is from the perspective of the German um, instead of actually from the perspective of the uh, French. And but you know, don't feel like you're gonna be reading subtitles because all the Germans are speaking English throughout the whole entire movie to make it easier. So um, you know, if you're looking for true authenticity, that might throw some people away from wanting to watch it. But um. It's a bit, you know, it's a longer movie. That one actually is on. I think that one's on Amazon Prime. It's in the Netflix or either Amazon Prime. I think but, Netflix. Um, yeah, but it, that one actually is a really good movie. Um, it's got some pretty intense scenes in it. I mean, it's a war movie, and I mean they actually like show some actually some war scenes. I mean, it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually follows these uh, kids from actually enlistment. Um, well, actually not really enlistment. Actually, you you've got to serve. Um, actually, from their their service um, through the actual the uh, German army. Yes, it is World War One. Yeah, and through the German army because Hitler's not on the scene. Uh, through the German army and actually um, through actually like the trials and tribulations um, that they have to go through and people they meet along the way and um, and actually their engagements with the uh, French and all and it leads up to actually to the point of actually the ending of uh, the the war and, um, and you get to see like uh, several battles in it and so it is. Um, and it's got some sad moments in it, um, in throughout at the start and the middle and the end. So I mean, if, and if you want a really good war movie that's historically based on a real battle, and you want to see it from the German perspective, I'd say definitely watching this. Just knowing, you know, that definitely if you can talk, stomach the fact, okay, it's not all, you know, they're not going to be speaking German, even though these are all Germans, and you're okay with that, I'd say watch it for sure. I think it's based on a book, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah, because they say in uh, you know say at the beginning, I think at the beginning of it says based on the book by right. I remember seeing the the old older version um, in high school, mm-hmm. and I thought it was really cool that we didn't have to read the book, but we got to see the movie and learn about World War One. It was pretty entertaining. So yeah, I would tell anybody want you know to watch it that they can because it is a I mean it's it's you know it's definitely it's it's a serious film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of serious films, Tim, what have you seen? Besides the serious film, you know, that we just talked about, Weird Al, uh, <laughs> Weird Al's story. Uh, I watched uh, the first Black Panther the night before. Um, actually, was it Friday night? And then Saturday, uh, or was it sa- Saturday, watched Black Panthers. Sunday, we watched Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, or one of those days. This weekend, I'll just say. This weekend, I watched Black Panther. And then Black Panther Wakanda Forever, we went and saw it at the theater. So, mm-hmm. um, for me, Black Panther is the top of my MCU list of movies. Um, I couldn't say whether it's the top three or top five. I, I'm guessing it is. Black Panther Wakanda Wet Forever is probably up there too, just because of how well they connected the story with not only Panther, the first movie, but uh, the passing of of the actor who played Black 
Panther. Yes. So Mr. Bozeman. Uh, yeah. They did a really good job in, in using what happened to him in real life to what happened to the Black Panther and why he's no longer there. Mm-hmm. So, and use of that, I'm sure, fed how the actors are able to, you know, probably portray what the, how they felt in real life in those characters on losing that in losing King T'Challa in the movie as a character and also losing the act. So that right there, I think is why I think it's, is really good. Um, Mm -hmm. Time will tell if it, it, to me, if it will hold up, if it'll mean something probably will mean something more to the people who were, you know, were around when that movie came out, how big that movie was, how big uh, the actor was uh, in that role and in his real life. And then later on, when people start watching those two movies without, knowing all that it's probably not going to be as big as an impact um but for me black panther wakanda forever was a really good movie i'm glad i saw it in the theater i always prefer to try to see mcu movie in the theater if if at all possible um so i'm glad i got to do that and it's going to it's going to be one of those things where it's they're not going to be one of your favorites or it could be so but i think as far as besides that part of the story i think how well they wrote the story to um figure out how a new Black Panther may come into play um, was done very well. There were surprises in there that uh, just like Easton um, does, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything here either. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, it's very well thought out. And I, it is a long movie. I think it's two hours and 40 minutes like that. And um, whatever you do, don't get up to go to the bathroom because you're going to need to be around to see every bit, everything, every little surprise that comes out in there. The other tidbit in there I like is they introduced a new hero, Ironheart, which is a young lady who is very smart. MIT, if you ever read the comics, I haven't. I just, uh, I read a lot of um, news articles on the latest comics. So that's how I keep up with my comic. But uh, Ironheart is basically a young black woman who's going to MIT and becomes the latest Iron Man, essentially, um, in the comics. And they brought her to life in the movies. Um, That's cool. So... There's supposed to be an Ironheart TV show on Disney Plus. Naturally. Um, and there will be more into her story, which, from what I understand, goes will continue directly from where she leaves off in the movie. So, again, not giving too much spoilers. There's still a lot of content to be learned about this character, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so, I highly recommend going out and seeing especially if you're a fan of the first one. You'll enjoy the second one as well. Always. As I always say, for any MCU, stay for the credits. Make sure you stay mid-credit. Very important. There is no end credits. Uh, so after that first one, you'll be able to go. <laughs> but you can stick around for the music because the music's good, too. Great. And I love that MCU is finally at a part where they have to hit, like, the geekiest reserves. Um, like, they got their A-list out. Now they're on, like, Ironheart. <laughs> Now they're on like the super indie characters that you would you would really it sounds have. like they're really moving towards a lot of the young Avengers type yeah. stuff. And also mm-hmm. there is a play on what we all already know from the announcements that was at D23 for all the new MCU movies, but uh, the Thunderbolts. So there is a play on that too. So if you're not familiar with the Thunderbolts are, it's basically all the anti-heroes joining it as a team, kind of like your Marvel's version of Suicide Squad, I believe. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but it's essentially those anti-heroes that are coming together and being put together by the U.S. government, like a off-the-grid yeah. type team. So it'd be interesting to see how that all comes together mm-hmm. and stuff. Well, that is excellent. Those are killer movies, guys. Um, but I think we need to play our game now. What do you guys think? Let's have at it. You're returning fun force stumped game. Let's go for it. Yes. So just like two weeks ago, we're playing a new game. It's called Force Stumped Working Title, but I'm thinking I like it. Um, <laughs> we have to guess the movie based on three clues, actor, director, and one quote. And uh, Aston, you wrote down Matthew Broderick as the actor, John Hughes as the director, and life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Uh, you didn't write the answer, though, so... Uh, My all-time favorite movies, for sure. No, I, just got, I, I updated just that thing, because I'm like, I want to put in a quote this time that I love so much. I like, and I, I love that quote. I've always loved that quote by him. I th- are we talking about the movie The Dinner Society? Oh, no, wait. Uh, the, the Dead Poet Society, you mean? The, the, lunch, right? the lunch uh, group? You guys, I can't help y'all anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed to be intervened, so I, I have a yeah. excuse. Uh, um, I'm guessing Breakfast Club. But anyways... <laughs> To make things interesting, points are rewarded based on difficulty. I'm following your guys' cues by making each question one point higher. So it starts, one is the easiest, five is the hardest. So if I did something Star Wars, you guys would get it immediately, getting one point. But if I did that French movie that only Aston has seen, um, that would be my five-point difficulty one. So who is going to wonder what, what, what all French movies I've seen now. You know, I just have this vision of you, uh, like around 3 a.m., just going to the French cinema channel and just (laughs) just hunkering down and just like right taking vigorous notes. There you go, yeah. And you're just waiting. You're just waiting for someone to say, "So, have you seen any French movies?" And then you just just explode with knowledge. I just look at the clock and I just say, "Oh, Boujolet," and I jump out of bed and go to the French channel. Uh, so I'll go first. I'm going to give you a director, an actor, and a line, and you have to guess. Uh, so my one-point question is, the director is Mark Dindell. The actor is David Spade. And the line is, no touchy, no touchy. Oh, this was my uh, soft is, um, is this Tommy Boy? No, 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 no. Mark Dindell. David Spade. No touchy. No touchy. I know what it is. I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. Um, oh, come on. I'm like, my brain is locked up from a long day of work. <laughs> but oh, no. The animated movie he did the voice for, and I can't remember the name of the I movie. Know. John Goodman is also in it alongside That's him. Animated movie that he's in. I know. I yes. just can't remember. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, um, is it? Um, oh. Our, our our fans are screaming. They're screaming <laughs> out the name of this movie. Emperor's Great. New Groove. Emperor's yes. New Groove. Yes, Emperor's New Groove. Essen, yes. you get that point. Mm-hmm. All right. You're welcome we for the clue. <laughs> our 
Our second movie is, for two points, director Edward Gareth, actress Felicity Jones. And the quote is, what chance do we have? The question is, what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power, and you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now. The two-pointer? <laughs> two-pointer. And it's a spin-off movie. And one that didn't do so bad in theaters. Serenity. Oh, that, no, that is a great movie quote, but I wish. <laughs> yeah, enough. Yeah. Jones, another female protagonist that kind of had spearheaded the movie. And it was actually a prequel. You might say this one is a rough one for you guys to get. A very rough one. <laughs> I can't say it anymore. Uh, I don't. I don't know this one. Oh, you're gonna kick yourself. Both of you are gonna kick yourself. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank on Felicity Jones movies for like yeah, anything that involves a galaxy. <clears throat> a galaxy. Okay. I'm hung up on the Fifth Element. Yeah. That has hit. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say it. It's Rogue One. Rogue oh One. my god! Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, that movie really doesn't have anything that's really that quotable, except for like a few jokes from Darth Vader. So it was hard. That's why that's two points and not one. Choke point. on your aspirations. Yes, I should have wrote yeah. that. Yeah, choke <laughs> on your aspirations are the thing where you ask him about farming. Really? That would have like yeah, that line. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Movie number three for three points. The director is Mark Steven Johnson. The actor is Ben Affleck, and the character says, I didn't ask you for the dog. I didn't want a dog. And then another character says, can I tell you something else? Seeing eye dogs bond for life. Yours ran away. What does that tell you about how emotionally available you are? Is Ben Affleck? Ben Affleck, yes. <laughs> the director? And the Mark Stephen Johnson. And what was Ben Affleck's lines? His is, I didn't ask for the dog. I didn't want the dog. And then the other person says, can I tell you something? Seeing eye dogs bond for life. Yours ran away. Daredevil. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, took you took it. Yeah. Tim, you're in the lead. Good job. All right. My fourth movie, uh, director Phil Lord, actor Will Farrell. quote, Hi, I'm President Business, president of the Octon Corporation and the world. Let's take extra care to follow the instructions or you'll be put to sleep. And don't forget, Taco Tuesday's coming next week. Lego movie. Oh. Oh, you nailed it. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be a sweep. You're going to sweep this one. I can feel it. Okay. It's in the zone. Director, Stephen Kugler. Actor, Winston Duke. If you don't shut up, I will feed you to my children. I am kidding. We're vegetarians. Who said that? Uh, Winston Duke, the actor. Director, Stephen Kugler. You know what's funny? That's it. There's a similar line that was said in uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, actually. Hmm. Kind of funny. The quote is, if you don't shut up, I will feed you to my children. I am kidding. We are vegetarians. I remember this line being said in a movie. <clears throat> this movie might have felt like it was forever ago. Your memory might be a little black. <laughs> but it's a newer movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Once again, probably someone in our listening to us is yelling, I know this. Yeah. I know this. Oh, there's always some out there listening. If they're listening, yeah, that, that knows it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, tell us. Okay. You <laughs> give up. I want the audience to tell us. Yeah. <laughs> we got a phone call. Hello. First time listener. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know this one. There's no, there's nothing you're saying that's triggering my, probably something I never watched. 
Although I did watch Rogue One and I didn't get that one. So that tells you. You know what? Once I say this, you are going to live in regret. Like <laughs> you were going to build a time machine just to go back to this time <laughs> to correct this. Okay. Okay. Are you guys ready? Yeah. It was Black Panther. Oh, first- geez. Oh, yeah. You 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 were so close, Tim. You're like, yeah, so, like <laughs> maybe it was Black Panther because I just watched it and I was like, was it Black Panther? Or was it Black Panther? Wakanda Forever? Right. Yeah, it was uh, Mbank Mbank two. Uh, yes, Mbank. Oh, yeah, the Gorilla Tribe. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. So it was that. That's why it sounded so familiar. I was like, yes. oh, I just heard that in Black Panther, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I thought it was Wakanda Forever. So, but that's what I get for yeah. watching both the movies. <laughs> right. So that is my list. Who's next? I can go. Okay. All right. As usual, I do my list like ascending for points and difficulty. Mm-hmm. So the first one, uh, one point, uh, this is a Michael Mann movie. Uh, the actor is Al Pacino. And if you know it, spit it out. All right. Long quote. You know, we are sitting here, you and I, like a couple of regular fellas. You do what you do, and I do what I got to do. And now that we've been face to face, you got it. <laughs> you must have studied Blockbuster, Tim. <laughs> okay. No, that that is one of the most famous like moments. That was an Al Pacino sits down with Robert De Niro. Yeah, that was like an intense. That was like a famous scene, and he loved that scene. Yes. All right. Number two, director is George Miller. The actor is Mel Gibson. The quote: "The chain in those handcuffs is high tensile steel. It takes you ten minutes to hack through it with this. Now, if you're lucky, you could hack through your ankle in five minutes. Go. Uh, is it Mad Max? You got it. Okay. <laughs> I'm on the board. Okay, but it sounded like Saw, <laughs> right? That's I was confused. There I was like, was Mel Gibson in Saw? <laughs> yeah, maybe Saw ripped off Mad Max, right? All right, number three. The director is James Bridges. The actor is John Travolta. The quote: "All cowboys ain't dumb. Some of them got smarts, real good, like me." Who's the actor? John Travolta. John Travolta, and he's a cowboy. John Travolta is a cowboy who sounds like Forrest Gump. Um, <laughs> Gosh, he plays an angel named Michael. Is it that one? Uh-uh. He plays a genius in the movie Phenomenon. Is it that one? No. It's the sequel to <laughs> Saturday Night Fever? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> that had a whole, a whole different title and thing. I don't know. <laughs> is it Grease? He was in the movie Grease, right? The sequel is uh, Staying Alive was yeah, Saturday Night Fever, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. No, but it wasn't that one. No. Uh, yeah, he was in Grease, yeah. Was it Grease? <laughs> no, we're not Grease. Uh, um... hey, I... I... I know which one is I'm looking. I can see it in my my mind's eye, if you will, but I can't. I don't remember the title of it. The Taking so that's, of Pam. One so it's two. like, oh my gosh, I see it right there. Cover everything. <laughs> it's actually a good movie. Uh, Broken Arrow. No. <laughs> This is this was an '80s movie, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a drama. Yeah. It's more of a drama. It's not an action. Yeah. I think the Cowboys in the title, isn't it? Can't tell you. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Cowboys in Travolta. The young and the Saturday Night Feverish. This is the one I'm going to kick myself about because I'm like, I know it's like, it's like I, I just talked about Blockbuster. I remember scanning this freaking box for, for <laughs> inventory. <laughs> just don't remember the name of it. I, I'm, I'm actually down to stupid answers. So if Tim doesn't get it, it's not going to be me. Board, I can't get, I'm not going to get it. He was All in right. a movie called Bubble Boy <laughs> in the late seventies. Any, any hints? Oh, so was Jake Gyllenhaal. That was actually interesting. No, that Jake Gyllenhaal was Boy in the Bubble, wasn't it? No, John Travolta was... Oh, the boy in the bubble. I get those yeah. two mixed up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the shinies. The, um, any hints? Yeah. Uh, 
Rangers. I would say hang them high. Huh? Hang them high. It takes, it, it takes place in an urban environment. Urban cowboy. You got it. Urban cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is that one word I couldn't think of? It's like yeah. ah, cowboys in the title. <laughs> <laughs> Do I get half a point? No. Okay, yeah, Urban Cowboy. Well, I, I gave it to you because you got it. Um, I would have said Rhinestone Cowboy. <laughs> yeah, that song sticks in everybody's head. Mm-hmm. All right, what's your four-pointer? All right, Peter Cantiano is the director. Mark Addy is the actor. Well, they're going to be looking at us like that, aren't they? Eh? I mean, what if Friday, 400 women turn around and say, he's too fat, he's too old, and he's a pigeon-chested little tosser. What happens then, eh? You you kind of said it with like a British a British drawl in your voice, so maybe it's a British movie. Well, Mark Addy, he uh... Mark Addy, yeah. Mark Addy doesn't ring any bells. Uh, lock, stock, in two barrels. No, no. Uh, Snatch, starring mm-hmm. William Bradley Pitt, or <laughs> Bradley William Pitt. Yes. Uh, Tim, you've been on fire. What's the right answer? I don't know this one. You don't know who Mark Addy is? Mark no. Addy. Addy. Yeah. He, uh, Game of Thrones, he was Robert uh, Baratheon. Oh, man. No. When you go Game of Thrones, I know even less now. <laughs> I Well, I know Peter Dinklage is in Game of Thrones. So is it Elf? No. Okay. Just making sure. Covering all my bases. I'm, I have no guesses got, uh, for this one. This has got uh, Robert Carlyle in it. He yeah. still gets picked about it, about this movie. In fact, for his birthday, they actually had him like kind of reenact this uh, this this movie on one of his birthdays. Hmm. Hmm. Nope. I got nothing. Keep thinking something about Saints, but I don't know. Boondock Saints. Hmm. It's a lighthearted, uh, funny movie. Yeah, it's not anything serious. I don't watch those. You don't. It's boring, man. What are you talking about? No. You I, watch I, I have movie. no guess. I have no guess. This movie's funny. You yield? I yield on I yield too. The Full Monty. The Full Monty? That is a four-point. I, I didn't know that one. I, I didn't watch that one. If that's your four-point question, I'm going to have so much trouble with your five-point question. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. <laughs> All right. But actually, no, This the five-point question actually it features – the five-point question features probably one of the most iconic scenes in Hollywood that has been reproduced in multiple ways and that like that people kind of like know for this this – this actress, but definitely won't get this one now. All right. <laughs> the director is Billy Wilder. The actress is Marilyn Monroe. And okay. the quote is, when it gets hot like this, you know what I do? I keep my undies in the icebox. Some like it hot. You guess so. Is that, is it right? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Oh, Marilyn Monroe. Okay. She, it, the movie features one of the most iconic like scenes by Marilyn Monroe. Um, is she singing happy birthday to the president? It's not in the movie. Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, Simmons are a girl's best friend. No. Sorry, that's the only thing. Is it the one, one of those movies that's named, like it's a first name, like Rosa or Anna? Uh-uh. No. Okay. I don't know any Marilyn Monroe movies. Well, this would be education then, because this is actually, yeah, y'all be like, oh, that's where that scene actually comes from. Okay. I yield on this one. Yeah, this is, this is what I'm talking about. Your French movies. <laughs> it's not French. Oh, this is classic. Yeah. I have I have not watched nearly enough classics to know this one. I, Marilyn Monroe, especially. When you're not watching your French movies, you go to the classic <laughs> channel. TCM. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are like, you dirty bastard. Is that TMC? <laughs> no, it's TMC. TCM. TCM. Yeah. Yes, yeah. there it is. Yeah, TCM. Yeah. It's one of those with T and T and M in the... In the... <laughs> <laughs> you and your singing in the rain. Right. That's not it, though. I, I yield. 
The seven-year itch. The seven-year itch? I would yeah. not have gotten that one. That Marilyn Monroe stands over the grate on the sidewalk, and the air goes up, and that's when her skirt flies up, and she has to hold it down, kind of, and stuff like that. Yeah. I know you have all seen that scene with Marilyn Monroe. Oh, everybody's seen it. What it came yeah. from, I have no clue. But now I do, yeah. and I won't remember it, though. Yeah, well, there you go, because people joke about the seven-year itch. Yeah, seven-year itch. <laughs> oh, man. See, I only know the seven-year itch as uh, a finishing move in the old WCW days by Billy yeah, yeah. <laughs> So well, now, every time, now every time you see that scene, you'll think, oh, there you go. That's the seven-year itch. Yeah. God bless him. Good one. All right, Tim. This is where right. I, I can beat your score of 11, or maybe Essen. If Essen like, sweeps the whole board, he can beat your score of 11. Okay. Uh, I think Tim's going to like be the, he's going to get out that belt and dance around back there with that champion belt. <laughs> he's got that there hanging up. WCW champion. It's on the shelf right there. There you at go. Least, there it is. The, yep. All right. First one, hopefully, is a worth one point because it should be easy hopefully Mm -hmm. actor is heath ledger rector christopher nolan dark knight yes (laughs) (laughs) okay eston you're on the board (laughs) (laughs) i've seen it so many times i already know it just that that premise the line was madness as you know is like gravity all it takes and another you know the other line i love about him this is what it's like when an immovable object meets an unstoppable force yes that's when he's holding them upside down. Yeah, Batman. Yep. Yeah, I love that line. All right. Here's one worth two points. Jeff Bridges, the actor. John Favreau, the director. I've never really had a taste for this kind of thing, but I must admit I'm deeply enjoying this suit. Suit. The Big Lebowski? Jeff. Wait. Jeff Bridges is the director or the actor? Jeff Bridges is the actor. Okay. John Favreau is the director. Oh, John Favreau. Okay. John Favreau. Oh, I missed that part. Okay. Yeah. Jeff Bridges. It's not Big Lebowski. No. So it's. Oh, it's um. That's Iron Man. First one. First Iron Man. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Points to you, sir. I was thinking, uh, Jeff Bridges. Uh, he's not in any Marvel movies. No, because John Favreau <laughs> directed the Iron Man movies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number three or three points. Spencer Fox is the actor. Okay. Ed Ed Bird, the director. We're dead. We're dead. We survived, but we're dead. Oh, The Incredibles. Yes. <laughs> Should have been number one. But anyways, I, I moved that up. That's three points. There you go, sir. Yes, I'm back. That was the first one, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right, next one for four points. Scott Adsit is the actor. Chris Williams and Don Hall are the directors. Lying makes me a better care provider. You said lying makes me a better care provider? Lying. Is my microphone not working or something? Because you guys are having a hard time hearing me. <laughs> Flying what? makes me a better care provider. Oh, okay. Oh, is it, was it Baymax? No, Big Hero 6. Big Hero 6. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Oh. I actually yeah. said, who said the line? Yeah, Baymax. You're yeah, in a Disney Hero. mood. That puts you at eight points. All right. If you get this one right, Aston, you win. All right, here we go. Actor, Terrence Stamp. Okay. Director, Richard Lester, you alone will condemn us if you wish, and you alone will be held responsible by me. You will bow down before me. I swear it. No matter that it takes an eternity, you will bow down before me. Both you, and then one day, your heirs. I'm saying the movie 300? <laughs> no. You didn't say Zack Snyder. You would well, say it again, because say the, say the line one more time. You alone will condemn us if you wish, and you alone will be held responsible by me. You will bow down before me. I swear it. No matter that it takes an eternity, you will bow down before me. With you, and then one day, your heirs. Except mm. probably more angrier when he was saying Yeah. 
And it's Terrence Stamp. You alone will condemn us if you wish. Yeah. <laughs> Terrence Stamp. I, I can picture his face. Yeah, I know the actor, yeah. It sounds like a gladiator movie or a Greek god movie. But I don't think you just... Super close. Oh, I'm super close. Okay. Uh, Terrence Stamp. Uh, nope, I, I can't think of anything. From an 80s movie. 80s movie. <laughs> okay. Super popular. Jason and the Argonauts? No. Probably wouldn't have gotten this either, even though this is one of my all-time favorites. The Wrath of the Gods? You said it's from the 80s? Mm -hmm. Clash of the... Just meaning the powerfulness, the super powerfulness of what what he was acting as. What I was saying, that's why you were close. Super close. Oh. A super cool movie. Oh, it's not one of the Superman movies, is it? It's not one of those, is it? trying to think. Was Terrence Stamp in Superman? One of the Superman movies? I want to Google these so bad. I'm going to say I yield because... I'm trying to think. God, now I'm going to... Back. Terrence Stamp wasn't Zod, was he? Oh, did Tim leave in disgust? Is that why he's not answering us? I'm here. I'm waiting for you guys to say the answer. <laughs> so, so I already yielded. I already yielded. You, uh, you just say it. I want to say yeah, it's one of Okay, which one? <laughs> There's five of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's uh, it's not the the first one. I think it was like what was Zod? When is Zod? Zod was in the uh, when Zod in the second one? Oh, the name of the movie. Oh my god, man, dude! I uh, <laughs> that's spot on with the name Superman, the movie Superman, and uh, you got it, Superman Two, man, <laughs> just Superman Two. Superman Two. <laughs> yeah, I thought Superman Two. Oh, you just said you just kept going around. It's a Superman movie. Was he was he in two? Like that's okay, but you got to put those two together. What's the name of the movie? I <laughs> uh, he, he was just messing with you. Because he knew he had it. So, Essen, yes, he had it. Essen, you got 13 points. Yeah. Good job, sir. Got 11 Ooh. points. I got five points. Essen, you have a legal responsibility to take Tim's belt. <laughs> I will. Uh, Let's I get to the meat and potato. A long, a long line of people in the, that would stop me from getting to that belt, I think. <laughs> Especially Justin, since he's probably the one the next person who's actually going to take Yeah, I think Justin will double leg drop kick me before I could get to that belt. <laughs> so... Shall we get to the meat and potatoes of our podcast? Yes, we shall. It's Pixvember. Pixvember means we look at Pixar movies. That beautiful company that can never go wrong. Seriously, I can't think of a of a horribly horrible Pixar movie that's tanked. And I don't think you can either. Um, we did an online poll and everyone with such glee and confidence said, please do the Incredibles. So we're here to talk about the Incredibles. A wonderful movie directed by, as you've already heard, Brad Bird and written by Brad Bird, starring Craig T. Nelson, Samuel L. Jackson, and Holly Hunter, just to name a few. It's about a 1950s super family uh, under under the stealth of not letting anyone know that they're superheroes, but figuring out as peril and danger goes their way in Metroville that they have to... They have to save their dad, played by Craig T. Nelson, who is held, who's been kidnapped in uh, No Man Island. Um, that's just kind of a quick rundown of it, but 
Everyone agrees that this movie has amazing characters. The Parr family, that's their alter ego name, but their superhero names are Dash, Jack-Jack. Actually, that's their real names, too. (laughs) Okay, the kids, they keep their names, but you got Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl as the wonderful parents of the Incredibles and their three wonderful children. And that's all I can say about the plot. I think we've all seen it. We're here to talk about it as a Pixar work of genius. Uh, so when did you guys first see this movie? I actually saw it like uh, <clears throat> opening weekend, like we saw it in the theater. Uh, saw the first one and the second one, both like opening weekend in the theater. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm, we, we were fans from the start of them. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed them, both of them. I thought the second one held up just as much as the first one did. And uh, the, um, I, mean, I, I agree. I like, I, I love the family values that are in there. And um, I think the, the storyline has a good pace to it. Uh, it's it definitely, it's, uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 at any point, uh, not feel bored by the story and feel like, you know, oh, I wish it would hurry up or something like that. So it was well, well uh, drawn out. That's pretty much the same here where I saw it opening weekend and then sure as soon as it came out available to watch on, you know, DVD or whatever, VHS, whatever it was at the time. We bought it then. So and watched it as much as possible. So it was a great, great, a different way of watching superhero movies so one it's a family two it was just like it was more complicated than just saving people saving your family and all that kind of stuff hiding the fact you know that you were a superhero and all that fun stuff so it was, it was different for its time for sure so it felt like it for me and feel like a kid's movie yeah it's definitely got this adult like mature feel to it where its strength is in like dialogue and drama more than it is an actual superhero universe building which i thought was strange um a year the next year disney would come out with sky high which includes a live action superhero family and their sons becoming uh, sidekicks at the school. Did anyone see Sky High? Yes. I actually really enjoyed that movie too. I thought it was great. So a new, another would... new concept on superhero type stuff, you know? So I, I think we can uh, say that Disney is amazing at the families and superhero business movies. Yeah, I like the uh, the Incredibles, how they actually showed like <clears throat> some of like how when the superheroes, when they like, they cause so much chaos, the repercussions of it, the financial problems of it, and then how like the, just the programs doesn't work anymore. And they show like how, you know, as far as superheroes, it's not all, you know, what I'm looking for, like Justice League where it's like, oh, everything's kind of working out and everything's going well. So they have to show them relocation, witness protection, you know, having to pay off this, pay off that. And it shows them having to take normal jobs and, you know, how they can kind of get, they get bored and that complacent in that life and how, you know, they are just, uh, they have the, the, the weaknesses that we as, you know, as non-superheroes per se have to, where, you know, wandering eyes, getting bored, you know, just looking for excitement and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, doing things behind your wife's back and that, you know, in the movie where they kind of still taking calls and trying to do and lying about it and stuff and trying to like live the good days and stuff. And so, I mean, it shows, you know, how they are uh, at the end that, you know, they have these, these, you know, down to earth human qualities too. And, and so they're relatable as far as a family. And then like, you know, as far as a family, even more relatable, how they're having these arguments at the dinner table and like, uh, you know, and then somebody comes there and they ring the doorbell and then they all like try and portray this like perfect congenial life. Everybody's smiling. Everyone's having a good dinner and stuff like that. And they 
they end the argument immediately when they were just screaming at everybody. Yeah. I mean, you bring up some of its very like mature issues that it brings up. The the whole montage of Mr. Incredible like sneaking back to his superhero life. Yeah. Kind of a paralleling to him almost like having a secret affair. Yeah. Like that's way over Disney, like like the uh, Pixar audience's head. If you're a child, you don't you don't make that connection. Conclusion. Yeah. What I found more intriguing too was I mean, yes, the story of the him sneaking off and doing that obviously interesting too, but the other interesting part that you brought up at the beginning of your summary there, Eston, was the fact that everything wasn't perfect. It was always something got damaged, people got hurt, you know, and it become more costly for you know, for superheroes to save people, uh, whether financially or emotionally or whatever. Like the whole, you know, I was smiling when you mentioned it was the guy talking about you you broke my neck you know and yeah. he's like i saved your life <laughs> so it was like when he got sued for you know because he broke his neck for saving his yeah. life like so it's those as those small aspects of the movie that just kind of like made you think about it's kind of like watchmen for kids in a way you know <laughs> who incredibles the incredibles <laughs> so it's like you Kids couldn't probably shouldn't have watched Watchmen, but you know, so they Disney made a version that was more, you know, kind of touched on some of those human elements of your human being got this power. There's going to be some, there's going to be some human elements to it, you know. So whether you go to extreme like Watchmen, Watchmen, or even today is the boys, right? Yeah. To, to where today, obviously, you have the Incredibles, where you got allows kids to involved with it so but again it makes it family oriented so it's like okay the parents are dealing with their own things dealing with the the fallout of not being able to save people to do the thing they love they have to hide it they have to do the normal human thing Mm -hmm. their their kids who have superpowers powers have to learn how to do these things normally without exposing their superpowers Mm -hmm. so and then they just but everybody just wants to be themselves. They don't feel like they can. They have to hide it and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's an amazing story and how they put that all together. And mm-hmm. even to this day, when I rewatch that kind of stuff, even you know, whether it's the first one or the second one, there's always like something I might have missed or forgot about. You know, maybe I noticed it the first time, but after watching it a hundred times, I'll be reminded the hundred and one time or hundred and first, hundred and one, yeah. you know, that watching it or whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh yeah that part <laughs> so some great stuff in there. yeah yeah no. the first one yeah the first one what brings them together to become more of a cohesive family is actually not taking a break going on a vacation you know connecting taking quiet time what you know you would normally attribute to like a therapy session would advise you to do but what actually brings them more closer together is actually being exposed to more danger more drama more yeah mm-hmm. uh, uh, moments for arguments and stuff like that and that actually brings them closer together so it's a little bit like yeah the uh and also you know, the parents the letting their kids thing. do their superpowers too right yeah so like yeah. okay I, you kids are gonna have to fend for yourselves in order for us to survive so use your powers <laughs> yeah let dash do his thing let violet do her thing yeah, yeah. and uh it brings them together and so it uh you know and then in the second one you know it's even funnier in the second second one because in the second one you get to see what it's almost like, you know, now him being like a dad, you know, and she gets to go off and do the super superhero thing. And now he gets to show him as far as being like a like the stay at home dad and like getting like kind of burned out and doing all that. So, like, you know, he's supposed to be the superhero. But here he is like, you know, 
not shaved. Looks like he needs to take a shower. I think at one point he smells himself, you know, mm-hmm. and he's like having to like take care of this baby. And then right. he calls him, what, you know, what, what is all, what would all guys do in that situation? You know, and they, they would be like, one of the things we know is like guys, you know, we would call like one of our guy friends and be like, Hey man, can you come over and help me out, dude? And like, <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. And so Frizo comes over to help him out and stuff. It's like, yeah. Right. And then sees like the problem with like Jack, Jack. And, uh, and one thing I kind of loved in the second one, it was so funny that you know, it's relatable too, as far as if you're, if you're a parent helping your kid with homework, whatever he like, uh, Mr. Incredible is like, you know, why did they have to go and change math? Yeah. Math was math. Why did they have to make new math? <laughs> this meme. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so one of the things that I thought was very interesting is on the surface, it looks like a parody of the Fantastic Four, you know, family with superpowers, oh, yeah. saving the world. But actually, each power kind of fits into like the nuclear family model. You know, the mom having these limbs that can be stretched is like, like a mom who's always busy, always has her hands in different, spinning different plates. Um, you know, the dad being the the strong structure of the family, uh, being able to carry the burdens of, you know, the day to day. The son being like a fidget, you know, boys, they just want to get into danger and, you know, get into all these messes. So the son would have super speed. And the daughter with self-esteem issues who doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to be seen for who she is. So she turns invisible. And I thought that was pretty clever. That's clever how they put that stuff together. And again, some people get that the first time they watch it. And some people don't get it until watching it a hundred times. Wow. (laughs) You know, so Disney or Pixar has always done very well with those kind of tie in Mm -hmm. little things. We always we always like. And I like the first one too, how like their uh Sinesto, um if I remember I'm saying his name correctly, how he always kind of reminded me of like he's kind of the like their wink to like Dr. No. Mm -hmm. He has this little like, yeah, this little like kind of mega structure, you know, evil lair on this island and stuff like that. And you know, he's like uh he's got the we got the tubes you can kind of climb through and stuff like that. And like, oh, this is all like Dr. No kind of a wink to that. And um and the Ian Fleming kind of nod and uh which I mean, I thought you know, what did y'all think? Did y'all think he was like a a very a weak villain? Did y'all think he was a good villain to have in the movie, or do y'all think he was just kind of well written? It was well written. I think they did a great job, and it actually goes kind of dark in a way where he's responsible for eliminating a large amount of soups. Super. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't so, even build up a universe before killing off half of it. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. quite crazy uh, how a little bit dark it gets, but still, I think it is a good villain. Uh, and even, you know, mocks himself for monologuing, you know, in there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You caught me monologuing and you slide all year. <laughs> yeah. Right. It has great comedy. Like, whenever, like, uh, I forget the lady's name, but they go see and they go get the suits and um, and he pulls up. Then he goes, and, like, he goes to talk to her and Mr. Incredible. And she goes, What is it? What is it? Was, oh my God, you've gotten fat. You've got to come in, oh, come Edna, in. Edna, <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Edna was a great character. Yeah. Both, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was actually a great scene, too, with uh, Helen coming to get her new super suit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Helen, you know, because of what she found is a clue and then discovering yeah. where Bob is. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Talk to that girl, talk to her. Yes. She says, like, why would a baby need to worry about gunfire? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, well, and then she responds with something too, and I can't remember exactly, but always prepare for the worst. Always prepared for the worst, yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. The uh, and then the, you know at the end too, they actually like um, it was cool too how they actually show them like fitting back into like their 
to their lifestyle. And it shows like, you know, uh, Dash running his little track meets and stuff. And he has to slow it down. So he kind of like blends in and stuff like that. So he can't run too fast. And, you know, Violet gets like her confidence back and gets like her little date and stuff. And so, yeah. and that was even funny because they carried that over that. They, they expand on that in the second one, if I remember right, because they go eat at the, uh, at the, uh, the little like uh, restaurant. And yes. Mr. Incredible takes the kids out and then Violet has that the waiter there that she's got a crush on. That was funny because yes. Dash runs with it and has fun with it picking around. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if if my math is right, it was eleven years. Was it eleven years? Maybe 13. Even longer. 13 Fourteen years, years for the sequel. 14. Yeah. Well, how did it why did it take so long? It took so long that they had to recast Dash because the original actor went through puberty. And lost that voice. <laughs> too much, I think, too high of expectations for that second one that nobody probably felt good on any concept for the second one until this one. Mm-hmm. And they, they took it right one minute after the last one ended, which is a gamble because would everyone feel like that's like, uh, wouldn't, like wouldn't it make more sense to go like three years later? Or something like that, but they didn't. They just like went like story right after. Oh yeah, right where the fight with uh, what was it, Mole Man? Yeah, I think oh, the Underminer. Underminer. Yeah, the Underminer. Yeah, yeah. I think he. I think they made a video game just based on the Underminer <laughs> as the bad guy. Don't quote yeah, me. Yeah, I never. Did y'all play the video? I never. Did they make a video game? I never played any of the well, video games. There's a there's a Lego. Like right now, if you go on like the Nintendo eShop, the the Incredibles Lego game is actually the most expensive, which means. Is it the most popular, or is it the is it the most rare game? Uh, I don't. I would rather get a Marvel or a DC Lego game if I had to choose. But I'm pretty much intrigued that you can be other people in the Incredibles universe, including all those all those heroes that Buddy killed that we never actually got to see in action. Yeah. Even the ones Ethel was talking about, why you can't have capes, and she yeah. starts reviewing the reason why uh, you can't have a, a cape. Right. <laughs> By the way, getting sucked into the turbine of a plane, um, if shown accurately, would make your movie double rated R. Yeah. <laughs> right. So this is an adult movie, as adult as Disney it can ever be. It gets dark in spots for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got some dark themes. I mean, yeah, it's got the the theme you know, we were talking about of like, yeah, the man, you know, s- slipping away or sneaking away from the house and from the woman and stuff and. You know, mm-hmm. and the woman being like suspicious of the man, you know, basically like trying to like, uh, you know, not necessarily sleep around, but, you know, having like an, um, not a physical, but an emotional affair. Because, <laughs> you know, he never gets, yeah, you never see any kissing or handholding or anything like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like he's trying to earn back his validation that he lost. Yeah, that I that I am, you know, that I am lovable. I say lovable, but you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I am um, the worst more than I am right now. Yeah, and that, yeah, I could be appreciated. It is a great psychological fa- nuclear family like test case that yeah. probably every college course requires their students to watch. It was well written, and the second one. I don't think they're going to do a third one though. I've never heard tale of it. Well, they have uh, to wait. For 14 years <laughs> yeah. it'd be like the kids growing up yeah no it's going to be one minute after the last one ended yeah um now most people don't talk about this but the this like the 50s sci-fi look the metro city you know the city of tomorrow as thought of by our the 1950s boomer generation um like i thought that was a really cool choice and you know the color scheme and how they make the architecture um it kind of reminds me of like my the the iron giant you know because that's like around the 50s 60s yeah 
And so I thought, you know, that's always really cool when a movie wants to age itself like that. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that well. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They could have made it in like modern times and kids with cell phones, but they didn't. It's using the technology because it actually has some kind of cellular technology, but it's using kind of like that mm-hmm. the 50s and 60s looked at at year 2000 as you know in the future with all those aerodynamic rounded edges you know and the the antennas and all that kind of stuff so the lux capacitor 3000 <laughs> yeah, for me the look kind of came off really well like i was talking about earlier because it, it kind of came off to me as a spy movie at the same time and mm-hmm. so i was like oh because I, I was seeing like maybe it's the me being too much of a james bond fan so it was me kind of saying okay i can see kind of nods to the james bond time um, some of these old Ian Fleming movies, and uh, so I was like, "Oh, I can see like uh, these like the island scenes and stuff, and some of the actual the vehicles and some of the stuff they were doing." Like, okay, this is totally like a spy James Bond nod. That and like Superman would fight, you know, with that kind of atmosphere around. You know, everyone wore a suit and a hat. Oh yeah, yeah. The robots were circular and had green eyes, and oh yeah, and then we just accept the fact that once you put on the eye mask. All of a sudden, you're unidentifiable now. Yes. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> like, I love that the parents were handing out the eye masks to the kids. Um, yeah. Not that anyone, uh, the hundreds of people, like, screaming could could just watch them put on the little eye masks. And, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. No voice modulation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was, uh, I mean, like I say, it was very good. Uh, well done movie. I mean, they were well written and stuff like that. And, you know, you always wonder, like, if the second one's going to live up to it. And it did. It, they did a real good job. And it was great that they, minus that one person, that they could bring back all the cast. That way yeah. it all, you get that cohesiveness. Did, did you think that the second one had as strong as a story as the first one? Because, like, the first one was, like, a psychological test case. The second one was, like, about sidekicks. I think it did. Yeah, because I think it was it was... It was the same cast, but it was different in the sense I don't feel like they were just trying to reskin the cat. Mm-hmm. And you know, now it's time. It was almost like they were they were showing it from um, the perspective of Elastigirl now. But now she's like kind of like more the lead role, and you know, it's putting more of the stay at home dad thing like i was saying earlier in in that play so that was a different take on it and like you said now it's now about taking over all these now all the rest of the superheroes aren't dead as they were in the first one they're alive and well and we actually get to see them and get to see them in action the only problem is now they're being mind controlled yeah there's there's that one scene um where disney tried to go very artistic and the second one with the the flashing lights i mean i've uh, with the screen slaver um really cool to look at if you have uh epileptic seizures i don't think that scene is for you <laughs> they really took a gamble on that one and it's got a good payoff at the end with the whole boat scene the boat fight yeah i mean i feel it was paced well i don't feel like it like drug on at any point where you're just like oh man this really needs to like you know you can cut 15 or, or 20 minutes out of that film and you know it would have had a better better pace to it you could have got to like you know through the, the three acts of the film on a, a better cadence the second one kind of like borrows the story of the first one uh like the oh shoot we have to relocate you again to which, a point yeah. yeah but i mean they actually but the, the second one actually brings in the uh the the uh brother and sister if i remember right yeah mm-hmm. so they, they're actually wanting them to be put to work instead of relocating them to be hush hush they actually wanted to bring it because that's how they recruit elastigirl mm-hmm. so they want her to start using her powers it's almost like the same premise as the first one but they're like this is from the mom's point of view yeah the first mm-hmm. one was from the dad's point of view and speaking of 
14 years. It's amazing what 14 years can do to the like the artistic style. Um, 2004 Incredibles, it looked good for its time. Pixar is no slouch. But man, 14 years later, the animation, the shading, the textures are like it's like going from a ps2 to a ps3 <laughs> well it's a long time there they've definitely improved on their uh computer graphics there yeah animated movies in general i've done that i mean if you look back to like stuff like like ice age like the first <laughs> ice age and then you go back now you know and you go look at like uh something you know an animated movie that came out like you know last year and kind of you know see like compare them you're like oh wow things are really popping and so much stuff has advanced now as far as like it's got to be surreal so tim you brought up this question you said the incredibles came out in 2004 and you know the world had no idea what a comic book movie universe even was all we had was spider-man as our reference um the incredibles were talking about things that we wouldn't even care about until marvel comes out with it in the civil war you know the price of being a superhero in a world that doesn't welcome you um you wanted to know how how did the incredibles influence the next wave of superhero movies which would have been the incredible hulk or iron man how did they impact probably i think too there was an impact there and how well incredibles did besides Mm -hmm. disney wanting to reach out to the young men young kids young boys Mm -hmm. market and so they bought marvel but i think incredibles was a part of that i think if it wasn't or i was trying to look that up too to see when disney bought out marvel but um Definitely, as I was when we when you brought up we were doing Incredibles, I was I wanted to bring this up because of the fact that Incredibles came out in two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Incredible Hulk and Iron Man came out in two thousand eight, so four years later, and that was the start of seeing you know superheroes having a normal life in in a way. You know, yes, they're yeah. superheroes. It's uh, they also have their norm. They're humans in in some cases. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. in the most part, they're humans. So, um, yeah. So, Incredible Hulk dealt with it a little bit about okay, you're you're dealing with becoming a monster essentially, and how does the public deal with that? And then Iron Man coming, you know, using his smarts to make this suit to make him a superhero. Right. He was essentially a jerk beforehand, and had to deal with you know that, and still at times being a jerk. <laughs> you know. So, but that plays out in in the story. Obviously, more adult type scenarios but mm-hmm. Incredibles me I think did help influence more and more the popularity of let's see a, a different side of, of that yes like you said the Spider-Man movies before touch on those subjects so Sam Raimi okay. did a really good job on that um, so yeah I think just as we got further down the line definitely more so but I think there's a I think it plays something and I'm sure people who get their masters in film uh film logic mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all of us we had to take to all this type of stuff yes yeah um, one one thing i realized here's my big what if what if disney did not buy marvel instead they said we want to create a hero universe based on the incredibles universe and then made 20 years of movies that all link together do you think it would be as popular as uh, Marvel Universe? Uh, I don't know, because <clears throat> Marvel's got the comic book basis already. They have that foundation. Mm-hmm. They have a deep, rich history. That The lore is there already. You you, you wouldn't want to see Frozone, the Winter Soldier, uh, his his spinoff, or, you know, Phase 4 of The Incredibles? Uh, I, 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 it would be, that'd be a hard sell. 
<laughs> uh, so you're saying the Incredibles are good in small, powerful doses, not to be abused. I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a. Uh... <clears throat> Yeah, I think it's uh, be a hard sell. I, don't, I wouldn't want to see like The Incredibles Part Eight. Yeah, I, I think too. It's it's also to sell products, right? So yeah. we have to keep that in mind. So wait, Marvel makes money off of our kids. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the the Incredibles type thing too is yeah. Would they like to do a Part Eight? I'm sure they would because whatever they could do to get kids interested in their characters, um, be great. But um, or even an Incredibles cinematic universe type thing could be a hard sell but it could be something that's you know where the marvel universe is more of the preteens and up where incredibles cinematic universe could be something for the younger kids it's and that true. would take away for it would take away for what we liked about it too so because it does touch on some of those parental funny things like you said the math thing you know mm-hmm. any we all know Pixar and Disney does really well in mixing in the adult humor with oh, really well. stuff, yeah. right? So we would miss out on that if they went a little too far with that. So it's true. They and do it. I'm sure they could. And in fact, I don't even remember if they did, if they even tried, if there's even like a cartoon or something. Like I think they did Jack Jack cartoons for a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. Now we talk about it being uh, like it winning over this, the younger generation, but in, you know, I go back to that montage where, uh, you know, Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl getting very handsy. And I'm like, this is probably the most sex a Pixar movie has ever shown. <laughs> and, you know, it's still PG, but like, man, the insinuation is stronger than you know, you're not going to see this in Inside Out or Turning Red. <laughs> yeah. A Wreck It Ralph or something like that. No, definitely not Wreck It Ralph. <laughs> definitely not Toy Story. You don't see this between, uh, you know, Woody and Bo Peep. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you have a kiss scene, mm-hmm. Woody, yeah, but, but you can't see it because Bo Peep's uh, hiding the kiss, yeah, because it's in the back of Bo Peep's head, yeah. Yes. So I actually did a poll talking to our Discord people about what they liked, and I found it interesting that everyone likes the characters and the humor, not the action scenes and not the superhero world building. So that begs the question that the superhero world building is not nearly as important as the strong family values and the characters. Meaning, technically, Incredibles did not have to be a superhero movie to be as successful as it was. Oh, I disagree with that. Yeah, you think yeah, so? Yeah. I think that it still plays a role in in showing that uh, that connection. It's a way for people to connect and be able to talk about those things, like the what you brought up earlier about mm-hmm. dad's strength. You know, shown yeah. in the superhero form, and True. the mom's you know putting the things together, keeping the family together. Type is shown by her stretchability, and so on and so forth it's a way to tell that story it may not be front and center or people may not care about it but if it wasn't there i don't think people would care as much feel different yeah. yes so yeah. if it, it was, was just a straight up it was just a straight up it would be basically you watching like a roseanne bar show or whatever that was you know <laughs> roseanne you know roseanne, back in the yeah. day or bill cosby you know the cosby show or whatever any of those family shows you would go watch be anything like that You'd get you got that already. This was something mm-hmm. different because you were seeing superheroes. It was yeah. like something different for sure. And I don't think it would be the same thing. It may. Yeah, I agree. Those people, they're not wrong. It doesn't it's not an important part as important It's not front and center, but it, it plays a role in telling the whole it's a part of the whole package. Right. It wouldn't it wouldn't it would be a shell of itself if you got rid of it. Yeah, yeah it's a vessel. You need that vessel to deliver it. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Now, when I watch superhero movies, I want, you know, the action scenes, stuff exploding, you know, fisticuffs. This movie didn't really provide that. It's It's got, like, meaningful dialogue. It's got some good, like, action scenes. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, compared to what we have today and, you know, super action scenes and such deep uh, Marvel mythology, like the Incredibles would be considered kind of light in that. Um, I'm just wondering, like, as a superhero movie alone, um, how did you feel about it? I mean, I think it was pretty good as far as the amount of action they had in it. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was, uh, I don't want to turn into like where it's like, I feel like it's like uh, two pages of dialogue and then it's just like, you know, explosions, destruction, yeah, yeah, fights and stuff like that. I mean, you want to have like a story there and for a story to be there, you got to have dialogue. So you want to be a drama at the same time. I wouldn't say the kids got cheated out of fun action scenes. No. uh, And that's what I get at, where it has a good pace to it. It's not like, you know, there's not like... uh, so much character development that it's like you, you go you like 60 minutes of film footage and there's like hardly any action i mean yeah because then kids would be bored off their mind an adult could take that but not a kid that's why the visuals are very important the, the artistic vision they had in this to help keep mm-hmm. everybody you know any age just totally glued to seeing you know like okay you know a little kid may not be into the conversation that mirage and uh mr incredible are having but mm-hmm. They're enjoying the scenery, what's going on. Whoa, look at this big mm-hmm. lava thing going on. It's, I, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Or Yeah. Did anyone spaceship. else get angry that, like, lava did not do what it was supposed to do? Like, if you're if you're on a tiny rock surrounded by lava, like, isn't the residual heat going to burn your skin? I know Mr. Incredible is very strong, but when that girl walks between that hallway that's made out of lava on both sides... Um, I, you know, I called shenanigans on the movie. I said, that's, that's not how lava works. <laughs> you know, she should be dying of dehydration at least. Syndrome probably created something that just wasn't explained. Some sort of barrier that you're not. Don't protect him. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah, a very I, I smart guy, you know. Yeah. So. yeah, He had to do something. I would like to know what he put down on the floor. Because if I remember right, yeah, that lava did nothing to that floor in that scene. I was wondering, like, how that... When the lava retract, I'm like, how does that floor stay so immaculately glossed and clean after he that has lava? Some really good technology that I yeah, would like to have good, in my yeah, house. Good varnish <laughs> on that floor. <laughs> I could get that technology to keep from you know the walls from getting dirty. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah for real. Yeah. Maybe it's like a it's like a secret dig at Star Wars because Lucas has always admitted that uh, making CGI lava is really hard for his team. Yeah, like he's had to search for outsiders, and this is them kind of mocking them, like, huh, you don't know what lava is, Lucas." Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> see, I know the real reason. Right. And then they're seeing some Wars. stuff about that art too, especially about around the hair. Mm-hmm when they did all that work because this was the sixth film in the pixar movie movie universe Mm -hmm. and i remember the big deal was about the hair and how well they you know at that time 2004 hair in i computer graphics was a big deal Mm -hmm. especially in the water oh yeah like this incredibles 2 makes incredibles 1 look like a like a youtube channel You know, cocoa melon. It's like I just I went and did it myself. You know, in a few hours. That's what it looks like, right? Yeah. <laughs> you made your own alternate ending to Incredibles one. Just I just went to Microsoft Paint, did Incredibles. That's all. Yeah. Really. <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon while it was raining outside. And then I broke out the Adobe Premiere when I did it Incredibles two. That's how much go. better it got. And you, you photoshopped yourself in it. Yes. 
Yeah. No more Windows Movie Maker. (laughs) (laughs) So the question that I love to ask anyone who's with me on a podcast is, imagine The Incredibles as a live action. They have to recast everyone. They want to get the hottest director. Um, Vision cast with me. You know, who who would play in The Incredibles live action movie? Like I I, I always said, Jennifer Gardner would be like Elastigirl. She's the perfect, I imagine, the perfect little wholesome mom. Yeah, she would be good. And when you had mentioned that pre-podcast, I'm like, yep, that's the right answer. Uh, Dave Batista has been pretty big in movies lately. You know, the WWE wrestler. Oh, yeah. Jax. Yeah. Uh, Drax. Yeah, Drax from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. He would probably, yeah, I, you know, I can envision him being like the dad, being Bob. Um, you know, he might need a little coaching because, you know, it's big, it's big shoes to fill. But I think he could do it. He's definitely got the physique to be he could do it. He's actually yeah, been he really working hard on his acting. Been doing a lot of film schools and all that kind of, or acting schools or whatever. And oh yeah, yeah, because I've seen some of his stuff outside of Guardians of the Galaxy and like some of the lower budget stuff. I've watched some of his movies on that are on Netflix and stuff. And um, yeah, he can do that because he's got some movies out there on Netflix that are just dramas that have nothing to do with beat 'em ups. Right. So I don't know any kid actors, but I did like all the kids in Shazam. So I thought Asher Angel. He might be a little too old for the role, but he'd be a good dash. Um, yeah, be one. That would probably be one of those ones where you get an introducing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, be a big casting call. Yeah. When when I think of kid actors, I like uh, uh Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> that's like that's where my brain goes. Between the him and probably his sister Violet. Uh, yeah, Violet. Like I can't think of any actress that's a teenager who likes to be shy. Because whenever teenage, like female teenagers are in Disney's, they're like always over the top. Speaking so. of Disney, I'm sure there's a whole boatload of those kids that in the Disney's channel shows that oh, yeah. I pull from that we're not aware of anymore. So like I said earlier in the pre-show, like my kids don't watch that stuff anymore. So I have no clue of the newest stuff. So I'm they sure there's some kids there that could probably do it. Yeah. yeah, you can pull from the uh, some of the cast of the Descendants. You can easily pull from. Well, cast. even them are older too. <laughs> oh yeah, they're older too now. Yeah, yeah, they, uh... These kids, they just keep aging without any consideration. <laughs> stop it! Just stop it. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No, the only person I could think of that might be young enough and has dark hair is Miranda Cosgrove, but she's probably in college now. So she's in her twenties. Yeah, she's not anymore. <laughs> so uh director i wrote down russo brothers or the director of sky high making his return mike mitchell uh, you, you guys wrote daniel kwan it's actually the two directors daniel kwan and daniel inert uh who directed because we were talking about the hottest people right mm-hmm. they're the ones that directed everything everywhere all at once oh that'd be fun yeah so thought maybe that would be kind of cool i hope the ending is like really trippy <laughs> yeah well now how about this uh the underminer played by the guy who did doc ock alfred molina they both seem kind of molish like i i'm sorry but nobody can play the underminer except for john rasenberger you gotta have him in 
the live action. He's in every Star movie doing some sort of voice. So he's got to be, he's an actor too. So he could pull off the mole. Yeah. That would be a good quick cameo type thing. Get him in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you haven't played the voice, he did. Most, most Pixar characters look like the actor. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to just bring him back the original cast. Right. Um, what do, instead of uh, Samuel L. Jackson, who we know and love, uh, would Kevin Hart be a good replacement as the new Frozone? Oh, oh yeah, he could definitely pull that off great. Yeah. yeah Some magic and make him really tall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Of course, if you're going to have Kevin Hart in there, you should have the rock magic and make him really short. The yes. rock should be... Uh, um, Edna to the rock show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so old. I'm, I'm, I've already seen this movie in my heart. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't even imagine who would play Edna. Yeah. She's rock. Always... I just said the rock. That's who's going to play Edna <laughs> <laughs> with a wig. <laughs> <laughs> like I totally want The Rock to play that, but you know DC owns The Rock right now, so yeah, he's locked in. He's like, yeah. So, anyways, I, I, I can dream, can't I? I can yes, dream. we can all dream. <laughs> I, so I am. Uh, I think I think we knocked it out of the park with this movie. Like no stone was left unturned, and we even talked about the sequel. What do you guys think? I think we covered it. Yeah, we did good. All right. So, what's our next Pixar movie going to be? Um, you know, I, I I say that rhetorically because I'm probably going to ask our Discord community, and they're going to vote for us. Um, but you know, I'm asking the audience, what's our next Pixar movie going to be? Because we have one more episode in November, and then we go into the Christmas stuff. And man, do we have plans for Christmas stuff? Hey, Christmas. I think if we're going to do anything, it should probably be the first Pixar movie, Toy Story, uh, and its sequels. That that would be good. I mean, we could probably do it eight part series on Toy Story. <laughs> uh yeah, I would I would say if that's where our fans want to go for our next Pixar movie, I say more power to you. If you want us to do Mars Needs Moms. No. <laughs> the most uh hidden uh Disney animated classic. I have never seen it, but I imagine mm. cuz Disney cannot fail. Um, mm. We'll go over that one. So, any parting words, Tim or Eston? Nah, I enjoyed talking about the uh this is one of my you know, I don't like I'm not a fan of all the 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 Pixar movies, but this is one of the ones I really like a lot. I mean, it's some ones I do love a lot. I mean, even the other ones I put up there in this poll that I thought would get more votes but didn't, but I love uh, Mierda. I love my brave, but um, oh, yes. I didn't get it told as much. But yeah, I enjoy talking about this one. Mm-hmm. For sure. Sure. Actually, a good one to start off with. Prize we got, we had to go there, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. There's so many, it's like hard to pick, so that's cool. We can, mm-hmm. you know, get the viewers to pick on the yeah. poll in the Discord. You know, I just went on Disney Plus like in during the pandemic, and I'm like, what are all these Pixar movies? There's like, there's like a movie based on every continent. Do I want to watch this one from, you know, Japan? This one's from China. This one's from South Africa. And Pixar was really busy under my nose. (laughs) (laughs) While you were out. (laughs) Well, thank you, fans of our show, for listening to us. I hope you got as much uh, incredible info as you could possibly handle. We enjoyed it as well. My name is Mike. I'm Eston. I'm Tim. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned for our next Pixar episode. Have a good night. Mm